Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. because today on the Cardboard Herald, we are reviewing Spirit Island. Yeah, this is the amazing, cooperative, dynamic, and expansive game in which each player controls one of the spirits, the very manifestation of the elements themselves, wreaking wanton destruction upon all of the settlers and striking fear into the heart of any explorer that dares step upon their land. And he'll have a lot of fun doing it, too. In Spirit Island, the eponymous island is being assaulted by colonialists, you know, as they do. Like a clockwork infection, explorers build towns, towns build cities, both spew out more explorers, and all of them ravage the land. It's up to you as the spiritual manifestations of the island, along with some scrappy locals, to fight for survival. Your victory condition is based on the terror level. At early stages of invasion, your foes are only vanquished if every invader is destroyed. But as you increase fear through a variety of effects, terror increases and your goal reduces to destroying all buildings to destroying only the cities. But don't take too long because ravaging invaders cause blight, which enough blight will cause you to lose. This tug of war between pushing up fear versus completing the current objective is a small example of the great strategic freedom you have in Spirit Island. Every turn, players grow, gain income, play some cards, then throw the contraption into motion. And growth is the first great and agonizing decision that you get to make each turn. You see, each spirit has different growth options on the top, and that can be a bunch of different things like regaining the cards in your discard pile, or gaining new powers, or collecting extra energy or income this turn, or perhaps most importantly, putting these discs out on the board. These discs are like your sources of power because almost every ability in the game has some sort of range that originates at one of these influence discs. Some of them require two discs to be in a territory in order to use it or have it as its home base that it stretches and reaches out from. And furthermore, on each of the spirits, as you reveal locations in each of the tracks, you get bonus stuff. This in the top track is usually extra energy, your income that you collect every turn. And on the bottom track is increasing the number of cards that you can play per turn. Choosing which disc to place and where is key to shaping your capabilities in Spirit Island. From there, you have your powers. Every spirit starts with a set of their own unique power cards, but more can be gained. Powers have all kinds of abilities, ranging from pushing invaders or Dehan, your indigenous pals and their adorable little button huts, to adding more defense to outright destroying dudes on the map. Many powers also add fear, which earns you fear cards, helpful yet unpredictable events that become more potent as the terror level increases, and that terror level increases for every three fear cards you earn. Additionally, powers have elements listed on the sides, which, if you have enough of them in one turn, can buff up the effect of some cards or activate the awesome innate abilities of your spirit. 
When grabbing some minor powers, you just draw four, pick the one that works best for you, throw it in your hand, and boom, you're done. But not major powers. With those, you do the same thing where you draw four, pick one, but you must choose one of your existing major powers to permanently get rid of in order to forever shape your spiritual hand. One of my favorite moments in Spirit Island is when you finally decide to draw into these costly major powers. And while not all of them are going to be working for the strategy you're going for, as soon as you start looking at them, you'll be salivating at the destructive capabilities. Each one of these feels in their own way terrifying and wonderful. Though all cards are played after growth, each power denotes whether it's resolved before or after the invaders do their thing. So there is a degree of programming, and yeah, you are locked into the cards you played in a turn, but like almost every other step, players have the flexibility to resolve effects in any way they want. Everything in this game smacks of empowerment. So you've had some personal growth, you've played some cards, you resolved your hawk abilities, and now you get to resolve any fear cards. Now's the time where the mighty cogs start spinning. During the invader phase, the cursed outlanders resolve three steps in terrains depicted on cards, ravage, build, and explore. After flipping a new card for exploration, the rest move down so you can anticipate what ravaging and building you'll have to contend with. During build and explore, new construction and explorers begin to pepper the board, becoming more and more threatening, but it's that ravage part that you really gotta worry about. During Ravage, in each matching terrain, invaders do damage equal to their health, one, two, or three. If they do only one damage, hooray, you're in good shape, but two or more damage, they add a Blight to the land, which is bad because Blight on top of Blight cascades, meaning you earn even more Blight, and Ravaging kills local Dayhan at two damage apiece, also bad. But surviving Dayhan? They fight back, killing invaders, managing and protecting these Dayhan as your fighting force is key to the island's survival. Then finally, players wrap up their turn by resolving the turtle powers on any cards that they played earlier in any order that they choose, and then a new turn begins, and you look in dismay at the board at all the white pieces peppering it like an endless supply of ants too numerous to contend with, or that's how it feels at first. The coolest thing about this game is what I'm calling the Arc of Empowerment, because in other co-op games, you tend to follow the same trajectory where it starts off mellow and then things start going downhill and it gets worse and worse and you get weaker and weaker. And not really in here. This is a game where even at the precipice of destruction, you feel like if you just gain a little momentum, a foothold even, that you can see it through. There's actually a breaking point about two thirds through the game where you start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And you know if you just keep that ball rolling, you push a little harder, you'll be able to persevere. And if you win, it feels fantastic. And if you lose, all you're going to do is sit there and think about what you're going to do differently next game. It's exciting. And this game is all about giving you tools and challenges and empowering you to come up with creative solutions in order to face them. It's awesome. The other thing I love most about this game is how thematically resonant the spirits are. From river surges like sunlight who floods out colonies, displacing them to new territories, to shadows flicker like flame whose haunting abilities consume isolated invaders and drive up fear, to a spread of rampant green who overruns territories, protecting them with... Well, it's rampant green. To frickin' ocean's hungry grasp here, whose tokens slide in and out of the coast like tidal waves, swallowing up any invaders who get too close to the shore. <sighs> 
A lot of the joy in this game comes from the spirits themselves and tackling the puzzle from different directions, seeing what kind of cool combos you can make up by teaming up different spirits with one another. Though I will say that at four players, the sheer number of options at your team's disposal may get a little bit overwhelming, and if you have anyone in your group that's perhaps a little bit prone to taking a little bit longer in their analysis, then maybe sticking to two to three players max is the way to go. But if that joy of the interactivity of the spirits and the powers at your disposal were the only thing that Spirit Island had going for it, then the puzzle would grow stale over time. But no, not Spirit Island. No, this game ain't afraid of giving you all kinds of extra ways of turning the knobs on the puzzle. Each island has an alternate tougher side. There are blight cards that change up how blight is added to the game. Multiple adversaries can change up how invaders work both thematically and mechanically with increasing levels of difficulty on each, mind you, and scenarios that present new and very challenging victory conditions. This game has no shortage of awesome mysteries to explore. Spirit Island is a big game, a vast sandbox with all kinds of interconnected systems to play around with. And while no individual decision is particularly complex, the overall consequences of your actions have rippling effects that it's a ton of fun to see play out. This is exactly the type of game that I love, one that feels empowering and challenging in all the best ways and has you staying up at night thinking about all the possibilities of the next time that you play. Which is okay, because even if I don't have someone around, this is a fantastic solo game. There have been multiple nights where I was so hungry for the island that I chose to run through a few times on my own. The island scales in size. You don't have to manage a clunky dummy player. And while it can be brutally hard, the puzzle is just as satisfying. If you've never done solo gaming, this is a great place to start. But that isn't to say that it's for everyone. The sandboxy nature may be too overwhelming for some and too consuming for others, but I am completely in love with the game. It's systems, it's themes, it's empowerments, and yeah, it's spirits. And for that, the Cardboard Herald highly recommends Spirit Island. Alright everyone, what did you think of our review? What do you think of Spirit Island? And what do you think of freaking sock puppets? Let us know in the comments below. And also, please be sure to do all the social media stuff. Like, subscribe right now, and share. It all really helps. And above all, once again, thank you for watching the Cardboard Herald. I've been Jack, and you keep on gaming. This game, this freaking game, Spirit Island has taken over my life, and I am so proud of this review. This was the culmination of a lot of things, and if you are just listening to this via TCBH Reviews, the podcast channel, and you're not checking out the actual video review, you might not be aware that there's the presence of some spiritual manifestations in the way of sock puppets roar, that uh, make their way into the review itself, woven into the very fabric of the review so that it is designed that you could listen to the entire thing and not miss any of the beautiful information that you would need, but the company visuals are worth it. I, I think so, or at least we thought so as we made these things. So 
uh, one of the things about doing the Cardboard Herald was trying to celebrate the things that I absolutely love and bring me a ton of joy in my life. And one of those things is tabletop gaming and board games and the communities that build around them, the imagination that it sparks, and being able to have some sort of reverence uh, for that and to participate in the joy and express myself creatively uh, utilizing those games as a platform was a big part of this. Thoughtful criticism is an aspect of that. Getting into video and audio production is an aspect of that. And so has been sock puppet making. This was so fun and I'm so glad that the sock puppets got a ton of feedback even if they aren't the focal point of the entire review, making up, what, maybe uh, 20 seconds of camera time altogether, somewhere around there. But uh, that's not the whole thing. You're listening to this in audio form on TCBH Reviews. You're seeing this as part of the uh, video series that we have going on on our channel in the additional thoughts and review Q&A. You want to know what's going on with the additional thoughts and review Q&A aspect of Spirit Island. So this game, it was not uh, something that I anticipated taking over my gaming habits in the way that it did. Not to say I didn't, haven't played other games, but in 2018 so far, I think I played four 14 games of Spirit Island, and we are not even halfway through the year for being a big game that is a big deal. Uh, I think I haven't fallen in love with a game this way uh, since I have, mm, I don't know, with Terraforming Mars probably, which is interesting because there's a lot of aspects of the game that even though Terraforming Mars is a competitive game except for the solo mode um it has a lot of the same feelings a lot of the same oeuvre and vibe that i dig on that spirit island actually has the uh, interweaving systems the uh, ways in which you have an arc of empowerment as i mentioned in the review those are all familiar feelings to terraforming mars when i play spirit island and uh, I just can't get enough of it. I've played it solo several times. I've played it with all player counts several times. I love ratcheting up the difficulty. I love exploring it. And in the 14 full games I've played, I still haven't even scratched half of the things that I could in the game by way of interacting with different powers and uh, different combinations of spirits in the different... Uh, enemy nations that you could be facing off against, the different scenarios, the level of difficulty, the uh, blight combinations. There's just so much to confront in that game, uh, but never to the point where it ever felt overwhelming to me. And so my, my standing thoughts uh, here a few months later, uh, or at least a month later, I think I uploaded that at the beginning of April, something like that. Um, the pervasive feeling is still overwhelmingly positive, and I am working on a review of the expansion, which, spoilers, I really, really like, and will have some thoughts and maybe some puppets uh, to introduce with that. 
So let's get to some of these questions. One of the questions that I got on social media and it also came up on Reddit a little bit uh, was um, solo. Is this a game worth getting if you're just going to be able to play it solo either because you don't have a group or your group may not enjoy this type of game or this level of complexity in a game and I'm going to come out and say it. this is the first game that I have ever recommended even if it's going to entirely be played solo even terraforming mars a game that i think is fantastic solo i would have a degree of reservation like you're missing out from the full experience by not being able to play with multiple players but here if you want to you could play with dummy players and have you know multiple spirits that you're contending with that's not really my style i still like to solo with just one spirit on their own but the way that it scales to a single player is stupendous and i absolutely would recommend this as a solo game if you're wanting a big beefy puzzle that feels like a bold dynamic game like one of my ideal scenarios for playing spirit island is to have some reruns of the next generation going on while i just sit there and solo my way through with a couple spirits and that is a fantastic evening one that i have done uh multiple times since having it where i'll just be like how's this spirit do on its own oh, i still got another hour left of tng watching let's see how this spirit does now the Next question that I got a lot was also puppets. What convinced me to make puppets? Well, I already kind of tackled that, uh, but I will say that uh, in the thought of puppetry and puppet making, um, I've expressed in various sorts of cardboard herald related stuff before that Alton Brown was a big impact on me, is a big impact on me. I really enjoy the kind of educational setting uh, and being able to engage people and learn through fun and through silliness. I, I really dig that vibe and some of my favorite teachers in life were able to kind of poke fun at themselves and the formality of learning in order to engage students more. And I realized that I'm not always the wittiest guy or the most thoughtful guy, but I can make something a little bit silly and I can uh, get people laughing. And if that takes some sock puppets, then I'm all about it. Uh, now, the sock puppets themselves, they were made by myself, my wife, and our friend uh, Jennifer. So big shout out to both Christina Eddy and Jennifer Kelly for their huge help uh, in making these sock puppets. We came up with the designs together and had a killer time making them. Um, and then another question that I got a lot uh, when it came to the Spirit Island review is the, the sense of empowerment. Like, it, does it really balance there even if you are always winning? Like, do you feel empowered and then you just feel like the solo game falls flat? And I think that's a, a misunderstanding of the point that I was trying to make. This game, you feel very empowered throughout it. Whether you're winning or not, you feel like you have agency, like you have choices to make, and those choices will lead to better or worse outcomes depending on how skillful you are on that. 
I'm not saying that the game is solely determined uh, based off of what choices you make because there are some random elements. You can't always anticipate what's coming up, but in the best of ways, you have a lot of agency, you have a lot of control, and the sense of progression, the buildup of power, of capabilities, of skill sets, of just the sheer havoc that your spirit can wreck by the end of the game makes you feel very very powerful so even if you lose there's still a sense of accomplishment and that's something that i absolutely dig so anyway that is kind of the additional thoughts and some questions that i got as part of the review process that i wanted to answer so i hope you've enjoyed this video or tcbh reviews episode if you are listening to the audio podcast we have a video channel with all kinds of stuff that i hope you go and check out we also have written reviews on our website cardboardherald.com eventually many of our reviews are going to make their way into this podcast channel but not all of them are going to and vice versa if you're just checking this out via the video we got this podcast tcbh reviews which covers our written reviews and our video reviews and some additional thoughts and q a on what came out what shook out of us releasing those reviews into the world so that's it. Thank you for watching. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald. As always, the Cardboard Herald is a completely free service focused on spotlighting games, gamers, and game creators. You can find all of our podcasts, including the Cardboard Herald and TCBH reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, and our website. For more recommendations and reviews, you can also head over to our YouTube channel. We do not pay to advertise the show, so please continue spreading the word, following, liking, rating, and doing all the social media things. It truly does help us out a ton. If you'd like to drop us a line and maybe have your listener mail read on air, find us on Twitter, at Cardboard herald or send us an email to cardboardherald at gmail.com or click the contact link on our page once again thank you for listening i've been jack for the cardboard herald and you keep on gaming